Hello, you. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you very much for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. This week on the show, Jack Loudon gave us the lowdown on starring in the new Apple TV Plus series Slow Horses, as well as his role in the upcoming film Benediction. Shepard Cassandi takes us on tour with her for her ongoing show, It Was the 90s. And the wonderful Dame Arlene Phillips has been busy, busy, busy and was here to tell me all about it. She's working on the Share Show as well as Grease the Musical. And our brand new Easter competition made its debut. So play along for the chicken and the egg. Uh, that's all to squeeze in. But first, let's catch up with Maria and solve some of your Graham's Guide dilemmas. Oh. Hello. That's very cheering to hear my name this morning, Graham. I'm sad I'm not with you. And we are sad too. <laughs> are you enjoying the sun at least? No, I can't get out in the sun because I've been in and out of the hospital this week, Graham, oh, with no. appendicitis. Boo. Well, the only good thing is I think appendicitis sounds very youthful. It's a, I think it's very, it's kind of a young person's disease. So well I might done turn it you. into tonsillitis. Shall I make it tonsillitis? <laughs> then, That's even younger. And a bit of measles. Oh, she's got the measles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I have to say thank you to Dr. Nick Bulmer, who is a locum that came down to Hastings and I saw. And he told me to get straight to the hospital. Don't spare the horses. And that was very good advice indeed. Uh, they can't take them out at the moment because it's quite inflamed and I'm on lots of antibiotics and IV antibiotics and oromorph, which is wonderful painkiller, I have to say, Graham. Other painkillers are available. Yes, indeed. When you texted that during the week, I, I thought it was, I thought you just were, were so high on, on drugs that you'd kind of just typed nonsense, because it just looked like... What? What's she on? I know. And, and also the lovely staff at the Conquest Hospital who were marvellous, and they must all go to the Virgin Big um, Thank You. I love the sound of that tour. Please, such a, I mean, it, the atmosphere in those arenas will be amazing, won't it? Won't it just? Won't it just? It'll just, you know, it's everybody just needs to let it all out now, don't they? And have a good old wild party and a dance. Yes, yes, um, yes. Now, Graham, I, I mentioned my appendix and I know we told this story on the last place the, where we used to work, but I don't think you've told the Virgin Radio listeners. And I love your appendix story because it tells you who you are and who your mum is. Please tell it quickly. Oh, well, very, oh, I have told the story a lot, but very quickly. No, you uh, haven't told it on the Virgin well, Radio. Well, when, uh, yeah, but I think a lot of listeners might have come with us. Oh, <laughs> That's where that's they came marvelous. from. But it's so lovely, they love to hear it. <laughs> well, look, so I was about seven and I didn't want to go to school. Owie, tummy, very sore. Uh, you know, I'm pretending. Uh, my mother, she knew I was pretending. So she went, OK, we'll go to the doctor. I'm thinking, oh, no, here we go. So uh, she drags me to the doctor and the doctor's kind of poking my stomach and I'm going, ow, uh, owie tummy. And pretending, thinking, yeah, pretending. Yeah, pretending. And I'm thinking, am I getting away with this? And uh, I'm sent out of the room and I think, oh, I'm clearly not getting away with this. <laughs> I'm going to be brought into this room and absolutely killed. Uh, but anyway, I got brought in and doctor goes, you have something called appendicitis and next week we'll be... Uh, taking you in, having an operation. You'll be getting your appendix out. And as a seven-year-old, you're thinking, now, I could confess, but then I've got an angry mother and an angry doctor. So better to just go along with it. So I did. And I had my uh, appendix out <laughs> the, next, <laughs> the next week. You had a whole week to weigh this up and to say... Ah, uh, really? Do I want to go through with an operation? Well, Not really. Yes, well, I, I kept thinking you know, what might happen. So I'd watched a lot of Shirley Temple films. So I just thought... <laughs> of course you I, had. Of I thought I might be bed-bound for some time and everyone would feel very sorry for me and that kind of thing. So the, I had a kind of romantic vision of the worst-case scenario. But as it happened, I just got my appendix out. I think, honestly, in the town where I grew up, everyone got their appendix out. I think it was just the get-rich-quick scheme by the particular... Doctor surgeon, they had a, a thing going where yeah. everyone got their appendix out. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, Graham, can I ask you? Are you up for an Oscar at the moment? Anything <gasps> that's caught their eye of your work, of your oeuvre? Well, I might be. I might be up for the lifetime achievement. You know, because they announced <laughs> that on the night. So I, I don't want to preempt anything, but I, I am. I am going to bed on Sunday in a tuxedo, just in of case. Course. Just of in course. case they suddenly zoom in. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> that would please me to see you in your déshabille. <laughs> sat in bed in a tuxedo. Um, are you uh, are you now just flouncing round in a kind of a, a negligee with one of those kind of strange netty dressing gowns on top of it? You've got a hidden camera here. I told you no. I do not want a hidden camera. <laughs> yes, you've got me exactly right, Graham. Flouncy, nighty, waiting for the milkman. And is uh, Dolly the dog by your side? She is. Ah, oh, bless. She's, I've muzzled her to stop her barking, don't worry. In, in a very humane way. <laughs> Gaffer tape. <laughs> yeah, she, she's taken half of one of your off, 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 off. <laughs> Oromorph. Oromorph, that's what it's called. Oromorph. I, I want some more Oromorph. <laughs> Stop now. Virgin Radio. Uh, here we go. I'm going to read our first problem out loud. Great. Dear Graham and Maria, we live in a small cul-de-sac and know most of our neighbours in the street. We're a family with two cats and we love all animals. Our closest neighbours also have a pedigree cat that roams the neighbourhood making a nuisance of himself. He looks very cute rolling on his back until you're fooled into stroking him. Then he turns horrible and lashes out, sometimes drawing blood. He comes into our house at any opportunity and even knows how to push the velux windows open if they're open just a tiny crack. So we can't have any windows open for fear that he'll come in and terrorise our lady cats, one of which is now petrified of going outside. They won't voluntarily go outside anymore. We've paid hundreds on vet's pills after cat fights too. We've tried to deter him from coming in with water pistols, the hose, gel pellets and buckets of water, but nothing works. He still comes back. We've spoken to the neighbours and they've done everything they can, calming cat food, antidepressants, a therapist, and even telling us when he's locked in. But we're fed up of having to text them every time we want to open a window. We're at our wit's end and have even considered moving, but we love our house. We'd just like to open our windows and back door when we want and have happy cats that feel safe. What can we do? And that is from Fred. In Whitby. Well, Graham, I'm slightly stunned by this because not really being a cat person, I don't understand the mentality. Not, not that I don't think anybody does because they're their own sort of strange breed um, of animal. But I would say, Fred in Whitby, you can have a safe space for your cats. You can open the windows, but then you put your cats in, uh, lady cats, in a designated room. Uh, with the doors closed so that the rogue cat can't get in. And I feel he'll soon get bored with never being able to find them roaming around. I mean, has he been neutered? That's the thing that, you know, there's a there's an urgency about him getting in, clearly. I did look on the interweb. Oh, yes. And there's a, there's a thing called Cactus Cat, which is a bit like, you know, the police throw those things across the road and then burglars, when they drive over them, it sort of punctures their tyres. Oh, yes. I think it's humane, but it doesn't sound it. And you put those <laughs> along your windowsills. So, but I'm sure a cat is clever enough to just bypass the windowsill just, and leap straight yeah, into the room. Yeah, just jump over them, yeah. I, don't know, I mean, there are many, many deterrents. Silent roar, where there's a roar of a lion and things like that. Battery-operated things. And but then that'll upset, their own, that'll upset their own cats. Well, that's true. But, I, mean, I, mean, I just I think... can't believe so much drama is going on in Whitby. It's incredible. <laughs> this, is, this is all unfolding. I, honestly, but can't you? You know, in America, they have those mosquito screens... You know, mm -hmm. can't you get those screens for a couple of windows and maybe your back door so that you could leave the back door and the windows open with a screen thing that means nothing can get in, nothing can get out? Yes, that sounds like a very, very good idea. And, you know, it's tedious and boring to have to erect these things. But um, it means that your cats can't get out either, yeah. but they don't want to go out because they're being terrorised. But, but I have to say, like what I like about this problem is that no one's fallen out over it. They, you know, yet, they don't. They yet, actually, the neighbours. The neighbours have been very helpful. They've done all they can. These people, Fred and his family, they've done all they can, and it's just this cat. I mean, the other thing, but this could escalate and get out of control, is to get a new dog. <laughs> Add further animals into the mix. Well, if there's a dog in there that, you know, doesn't like said pedigree cat, uh, you know, I think that will deter pedigree cat in a way that pellets and, and a hose won't. Yes, but it sounds like Freddie Whitby because he, he's got two cats. He's obviously got to think about them. Yes. I mean, it's madness to be terrorised by a small little feline 
that is sometimes very cute, but sometimes lashes out. You know, we don't know what's going on in that cat's head. Nobody does. Very little. But it's, it's kind of a, very little. It's a crazy scenario that two sets of neighbours who are being very civil about it and grown up um, are having to deal with this. And thinking of moving, I mean, isn't that insane? You know, thinking of moving is a very bad idea because, you know, you might get something much worse than uh, a slightly aggressive pedigree cat. So I, I would, I, I think I, the screens are a good idea or, you know, just wait it out. How long do cats live? I don't know. <laughs> or cactus cat or silent roar. But I, you know, neither you or I have cats, so... We cannot get into the mind of these creatures. But I think there will be a lot of Virgin Radio listeners who do have cats and have had this problem. Yes, because I wonder, are, is it It must be coming for the, the female cats rather than food or anything. You know, well, that's dog, what I said. Is it neutered? Well, dogs are... Yeah, but neutering doesn't... I, you know, I've seen that with dogs. You know, you neuter them, so but they still quite like the idea. <laughs> Yes, because now you don't have to go operation and, you know, people don't like the horror of having their cats without bits. But you can have (laughs) injections. Oh, yes. You know, especially male owners don't like, you know, neutering dogs or cats because they don't like aesthetically to see them losing those essential things. (laughs) I don't know why I'm not saying balls. Um, (laughs) uh, But you can now get an injection. That I, keeps them aesthetically pleasing. I did not know that. Yes, my my friends have done it to their own dog, and it's worked a treat. And it's also not permanent; it lasts six months. So, if you do want to then breed at a later date, because obviously this is a pedigree cat, so they may want to breed to pay the vet's bills of other cats. Yeah, I don't think you should really splash around in this gene pool, do you? I, I would get out. And my favourite responders today are going to be getting the Waitrose Sticky Toffee Hot Cross Buns. Not just hot cross buns. No, Sticky Toffee Hot Cross Buns. The sweet, indulgent flavours of Sticky Toffee pudding in a hot cross bun with dates, chunks of caramel toffee and raisins. Why have we had to wait till 2022 for someone to make this? Delicious. Anyway, first lady, Jenna in Hayward's Heath, I think isn't. How about getting some dog statues that bark when someone, a.k.a. a cat, walks past? So the neighbour's cat will get scared away. Well, now that'll be like those sensor lights that you're in bed. (laughs) Is there someone in the garden? Because a statue will be barking all the time. So I'm not sure that'll work. Uh, Better yet, take the cat hostage and make sure it never wants to return to your house again. That sounds sinister, Jenna in Hayward's Heath. If you're a neighbour of Jenna's, yeah, keep your cat in. Margot in Deeside. Now, she has sensible advice. Pedigree cat has to be neutered and have another cat to live with. He's lonely. Now, see, you thought he was aggressive. You thought he was terrorising the neighbour. He's just lonely. That's why he's scratching you till you bleed. He's lonely. Other neighbours could also build a catio. Hello? Where's the cat? On the catio. It's like the Golden Girls on the lanai. Uh, It's out on the catio, where their cat can get outside and be behind wire and windows can be open too. Margot, you're a genius. She deserves a Channel 5 show. That's what she does. That's brilliant. A catio. Oh, love it. I feel like I live like a... Where's my my catio? I don't have a catio. Uh, Lynn is from Perfect Rural. As a cat owner, this is a difficult problem. The only solution to this may be to put the visiting cat in a cat basket with its owner's permission and let your cats then wander around, putting the equivalent of a feline finger up and know that they are safe. This shaming of the pain in the bum cat can work. Again, what good advice. So you basically, you get the neighbour to put it in a cat basket, you bring it into your house and let your cats wander. But I have a funny feeling that your cats might be so traumatised. They'll be like, what have you done? You brought it in a basket into our house. <laughs> so it might work. We don't know. Does anybody even like cats anyway? Shocked at Paul, Sophie and Garsting. Dave Gloucester, it sounds like you're having this cat mixed... Me- you are giving this cat mixed messages if you tried to stroke it. Well, I think that was in the past. I don't think they do that anymore. Uh, I've had the same problem, and you must just persevere with the water pistols, etc., which is hard being a cat lover. Eventually, it will keep its distance. I mean, that does sound exhausting, being posted at your back door with a... <laughs> water pistol at all times uh, buy a similar cat from a taxidermist 
cover it in the desired cat scent, leave a stuffed cat on the windowsill, and wait and watch Naughty Cat waste his time. What fun. Cheryl in Somerset. I'm not sure you're a vet, Cheryl. I, that's, I'm not sure you're trained. You're a trained animal expert. I am going to give the Waitrose Sticky Toffee Hot Cross Buns to Margot in Deeside for introducing us to the whole concept of a catio. Genius. Graham's Guide. Here's problem number two. Oh, good. <laughs> I really forgot how to speak there. Dear Graham and Maria, I've been working at my current job for nearly 10 years and I love it. You have to pay attention to this, Graham. Okay. We're a successful property investment company based in London. However, the CEO, brackets my boss, was hired by the director of the company solely because they're best friends. He has no previous experience in property and is not very good at his job. Mm-hmm. I act as a PA for them, organising their diaries. is all part of the job. To cut a long story short, my boss said he was having meetings at some of our properties and was not to be disturbed. These became very frequent and I was certainly, I certainly wasn't booking in these meetings for him. So I decided to get in my car and follow him, parked up around the corner from his next meeting. To my absolute shock, I saw the director's wife pull up and walk into the property where he opened the door for her. Having had my first glimpse of the affair happening, for the next few months I decided to do a little more investigating. And there is no doubt about it, they're in a full-blown affair. Not only this, but I believe he's also having an affair with our finance employee. No wonder he's no good at his job. As she's keeping quiet about his monthly expenses, in inverted commas, that go into the thousands and are in no way related to the business. Clearly, there's so much trust from my director, and I don't think he'd ever dream that my boss and his best friend would do anything like this. My boss is also married with children, as is the director, so there's a lot at stake. Do I keep my head down and pretend I know nothing whilst watching the business go down the pan, or do I do something? And that is from Hannah in Edinburgh. My goodness, Hannah in Edinburgh. Now, a property-based investment company, that's, is that an estate agent? I mean, I don't really understand these things. Anyway, Hannah, I've got two pieces of advice for you. <laughs> you know as much as the guy who's got the job. <laughs> yeah, seemingly. Um, I would say write a script immediately and send it to ITV. Um, and the second piece of advice is start looking for another job. I mean, you're not so much a PA, Hannah, as a PI, a private investigator. I'm sort of torn between thinking, wow, this is a lot of work that you've put in, and also, what a busybody. I don't know which side I'm falling on at the moment, but I, this is not going to end well, and it ain't going to end well for you, Hannah, because there's no one you can go to. You can go to your boss, the director, whose wife is having an affair with the CEO, and tell him... How's that going to end up for you? Not well. The company will probably, you know, dissolve in fights and tantrums and you'll probably lose your job anyway. And also, no one likes a snitch regardless of this. And if he is embezzling money from the company, which, you know, you allege, then the company is going to go down the pan anyway. So I would start seriously looking around for something else because you have been there for nearly 10 years. You love it. But this is a can of worms that I don't know. I don't know how to advise you. And I don't think Graham will either, but I'm going to let him try. No, this is perhaps our trickiest problem since the earring in the dishwasher, I would say. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, this is this is really this has been sent to test us, Maria. I, oh. I, I mean, look, my my bottom line is always, you know, don't be the messenger because you know, for all those reasons. However, this is so juicy and good. I feel like Hannah's got to tell someone apart from us. So I, is there, I mean, I, this is, sorry, I'm bad at this, but I bet you the listeners will be good at trying to manufacture a weird way to get the owner of the company, the CEO, to show up at one of the houses while he's having his meeting. Like, Hannah could accidentally put it in his diary that uh, there's a meeting da, 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 at this particular what, property. To find the wife and the CEO uh, in flagrante. You That's mean. the plan. Yes. 
Okay. But I actually also want, Hannah, can I just butt in here with a little bit extra? Before that meeting takes place, please employ a secret camcorder so that it can all be filmed and you can attach this to your treatment that you will be sending to ITV (laughs) so that you get something out of it when the company goes down the pan. And I'm al- thinking ahead. Yes. And also, maybe, is there a way that she can... Either the thing you could flag, maybe, to the CEO... Uh, oh, no, the CEO is the guy who's having the affair. Yes, and he was hired oh, so by the director, director of the company, yes. So is there a way you could flag to the director of the company that you, you're not sure the expenses are being done properly? Because that seems kind of a, a businessy thing that you're not sticking your nose into affairs and kids and friendships. You're yes, ju- but you- there's also, of course, there's the accountant who she thinks he's having an affair with. How's he got time? I don't know. And well, you could bypass wife- the accountant. I would say go straight to the director and kind of go, look, I don't want to be a tattletale, but I have noticed that the and I know I don't know who's doing it whether it's your friend your best friend or whether it is this accountant person but this doesn't look right to me and I just felt I should come to you directly and but then, the finance employee that is having a is keeping quiet she's covering for him yes and also if you raise your head at all above the parapet on this can of words worms to mangle my metaphors you are um you know you're gonna get your head blown off I think so even raising the finance issue which isn't about love and affairs and wives and families breaking apart um is is never gonna end well either graham if it was just one thing you would think yes i can do that but two things i just i want hannah to run run for the hills of edinburgh i feel like she i think what she should do is she should buy a violin and go to one of the hills of edinburgh and watch rome burn i just think (laughs) just throw in a match just throw in a match and then watch it go up because i do like the idea though of arranging you do the diaries hannah so you can arrange for them all to go to the same place. Make sure they all have keys, yeah. i.e. the director and the CEO. And and just, in, in, in you know, make sure that it's caught in, in in the mix. And then you can talk about the finance when it all goes up in flames. Oh, yes, and then you'd have to go too because you have to see it all happen. You don't want to hear about it. So you'd have to go too. So you'd have to do, oh, I was trying to stop you because I suddenly realised at the last minute what was going to happen. I'm so sorry I didn't get here in time. Oh, that's uh, good. That's yeah. good. So you're looking like the good cop. We're cooking really, on. We're the cooking with gas. Order. Yes, the camcorder I, but also, that you're also I like, a bad cop. I, the, the thing, my favourite thing about the Zedric is obviously we try to disguise the people who've sent in the letters. So we've disguised this person as Hannah in Edinburgh, but in the letter, she works at a company based in London. So, yeah. Ah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure she's from Edinburgh. But anyway. Uh, we, we, we failed on that one, didn't we? Yeah. So, sorry, cat's out of the bag. Bye. <laughs> oh, we've told them. Uh, Look, I think this is a genius problem, but I also believe that the Virgin listeners will have very crafty, sneaky ways uh, that Hannah can let people know what's going on without just blurting out the plain facts. And my favourite responder will be getting those Waitrose Sticky Toffee Hot Cross Buns. Delicious. Uh, Paul from Peckham writes, Graham and Maria, people say you should never interfere when colleagues, friends are having an affair. True that. This is different. Okay. Hannah's job is at risk if the company goes down the pan. Send an anonymous letter to the boss regarding the affair slash theft. Do not personally interfere. There'll be another Hannah in that office that will track it down. Look at the typing. Uh, This was printed on that printer. The only person who uses that printer, it'll come back to bite you in the bum. Bev is in the New Forest. Just send an anonymous letter by post with evidence. The boss needs to know. Oh, I love evidence opening a file and seeing grainy pictures of his wife knocking on the door of number seven. <gasps> Hannah, anonymously tip the wife. I love it. Yeah, tip the wife. Don't tell him. Tip the wife. Uh, let her go find them on a secret rendezvous and then sit back and watch the show. Oh, by the way, you'll need to find another job, hon. Wait for redundancy, though. That's <laughs> quite in southeast London. Yeah, hang Leah, I'm not sure there will be redundancy, but yeah, 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 hang on for it. Hannah, you'll get fired. Keep your nose out. You'll never come out well of this. If there's a fraud, then that's a police matter. You're not a detective, Hannah. Meanwhile, get a job as a PA elsewhere and stop playing at Miss Marple. And that's from Tracy, HR director. 
HR director is very annoyed that a PA has gone away and, and, and shown all this initiative. Stop it. All right, Tracy, thank you very much. Jenny is sitting in sunny Suffolk. Hannah knows money is in, being embezzled. As it is illegal and she is aware of it, she is implicated. <gasps> J'accuse! Oh, actually, she could blackmail. That's oh, now, that, now we're talking. You know, in for a penny. <laughs> she should find another job. Tell her senior boss what's going on and move on quickly. <gasps> I don't know what the best advice there is. Um... I mean, I guess you need... Do you intend an anonymous tip? That's a, Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Um, I tell you, just because I, I like the, the wait for redundancy, I'm going to give the hot cross buns, the sticky toffee hot cross buns from Waitrose to uh, Kyla in South East London. Congratulations. They are for you. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. All right, time to be my first guest of the day. He's a star, ladies and gentlemen, a sudden, bright, shining star. He's everywhere. Uh, he is starring in Slow Horses, which is coming to Apple uh, TV Plus on the twenty. No, on the first of April, and then also starring in the critically acclaimed movie Benediction, which is coming to screens on the twentieth of May. His name is Jack Loudon. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. You must be very good. Yeah, this I am. is yeah, this is great. Yeah. Um so was War and Peace just just to kind of the you know, where the hell did Jack Loudon come from? Was War and Peace <laughs> your first thing? Uh no, god no. 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 I mean that was the... Are you old? Are you like 56 but yes, you look pretty really young? <laughs> yeah, I am. No, that was uh oh god, that that was about 20 2015. No, I'd been kicking around before that, but mainly on stage. Oh, okay. Yes. But so that was your first kind of calling card yeah I, i'd say so yeah, yeah 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 yeah. and now look at you so the uh, let's talk about slow horses first uh-huh. uh because that's happening first that's on the, the first of april on apple tv what i mean i sort of feel for the poor old bbc and itv because when, <laughs> when you look at slow horses i mean they can't compete with this it's just that opening sequence yeah. so oh, hang on let's tell let's tell people who you are and and about the books and, and all of that so slow horses is it's based on mick heron's novels which follow a bunch of agents at mi5 um, but they are they're 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 not very good. They've all made serious mistakes. They've all to do with national security, and they've ended up in this place where they're basically being encouraged to retire or leave. <laughs> um, so they're given these menial jobs of sort of sifting through CCTV because they're civil servants essentially, and you can't really fire them, which apparently is the case in the real in the real MI5. Um, and I play River Cartwright, who is a very very competent good spy. Um, who makes a mistake and is then chucked in with with all this lot and and looked after by by Jackson Lamb, who Gary plays. And, you know, like I say, that Apple decides to make a TV, so they get Gary Oldman, they get uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, (laughs) Jonathan Price. I mean, it's... And what I was going to say was that opening sequence is like something from a movie. It, it, It was. I mean, we shut down... We, 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 they gave us a huge part of Stansted Airport, which was a sort of daunting thing on its own anyway, to sort of run around with for about a week and jump in between planes and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I still think the BBC could probably do that. Like Ryanair isn't slow enough. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) We're sorry for the delay. Yeah, Yeah, his hair wasn't right. Yeah, (laughs) He's got to go again. He's not happy with it. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) But great for you as an actor to get to play on something in that scale. It must be fantastic. It was just ridiculous fun, the whole thing. It was just, it was a lot of running, a lot of running in, 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 in suits and jumping over things. There was a lot of vaulting. It always says he vaulted. So I quite often was practising my vaulting, my one-hand vaulting over, like, fences. <laughs> and is there, like, what was the mood on set? Because these, I, I feel very stupid. I'm not aware of these books, but I hear that they, like, people who know these books don't just like them. I oh, mean, yeah. they love these books. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't know about them either, but the, uh, yeah, there is a huge fan base for them. Um... 
I mean, I've I haven't read them. I've done I've audiobooked them because the guy, the actor, the audiobook that, that reads the audiobook is fantastic and does all the voices. Um, it's a shame he's not in it, to be honest. Uh, but uh, he's, he'll listening be the, he's listening to this, <laughs> yeah. rolling his eyes, going, "Thank yes. you very much." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not even a name check. <laughs> but no, it's it's it, apparently apparently they're a huge huge success and and the, the, quite a cult following. So um, yeah, it was quite daunting. Yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, Gary Oldman, obviously, and who is uh, you? And who who is some of the the younger people whose names we might not know in it? Uh, you have uh, Olivia Cook. Oh yes, you I do probably know. Her. know. Yeah. Um, I, um, who else is in there? Christopher Chung, uh, who you might not know yet. Uh, Dustin from Cardinal Burns, people might know yeah. from that kind of thing. Um, yeah, the, the, there's a, there's a whole range of them, and, and more come into it as as it goes on. And is this being launched globally by Apple TV Plus? Yes, yes, it is. Yes. So, are you doing press in the states now, or is that happening? I don't know. Or? I mean, I'm just about to do a whole week of press, um, which I don't really know a lot about yet. I'm sorry, this is your. <laughs> this is the. This is the. Big... This is your practice session. This is yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you got? Have you chosen an anecdote to tell yet? <laughs> is there is there an amusing pre- <laughs> mishap on set? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I've got about four or five. Oh yeah. Give us one. Well rehearsed. Give us one. Um. <laughs> Uh, they mainly involve. They, no, I'm sorry, I'm being horrible. I'm no, being no, horrible. they mainly involve. Gar- they mainly involve Gary, uh, but Gary tells them better. They mainly involve me just trying to not laugh at Gary. Oh, and actually, here's a tip: actors get very annoyed if another actor steals their anecdote. on-set anecdote. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be carnage. Yeah, yeah, I remember, I think Robert Pattinson did that to Reese Witherspoon. They'd made some film about elephants, and uh, <laughs> Reese had a hilarious story about elephants, and Robert told it. As if it was his? No, he, oh, right. he said it was her, but she was like, no, that's my story for the press. That's my story for this entire junket. That's quite and, a good game, actually. Now you've told it. So, yes, try and try and trip Gary up. Yeah, that's by, clever. By stealing his stories, yeah. <laughs> Phil in Norfolk's been in touch. Hi, Graham. Sean Barrett read the audiobook Sean Barrett. for Slow Horses. He was also the young boy actor in the 1960s film Dunkirk. No. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, there oh, he's go. fantastic. There you go, big up. I, I've heard of Sean Barrett. Yeah, I have. Seen, I heard yeah, of Sean yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sean. Yeah, so, yeah. Sorry, Sean. Sorry, uh, Sean. Yeah. yeah, but I shared a flat with him for many years. No, I, I, I don't. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Benediction. Let's talk about that. So this is you playing Siegfried, Siegfried Sassoon. Yes, but you sort of share the role. Yes, essentially. Yeah, Peter Capaldi plays him uh, in, in, in later in life. Yeah, I sort of morph into him. Yeah. And did you know anything about Siegfried Sassoon? Siegfried Sassoon? It's quite hard to say, it isn't is. it? It uh, is. You don't forget that name. Yeah. Uh, did you know anything about his life before you got the role? Well, I knew... I mean, I, I, I think at high school, I think it's still to this day, I think you, you do a lot of the great war poets and his name, obviously, is one that you don't ever forget. And I remember his poetry kind of being sort of shocking and things like that, but I knew nothing about him. Um, and it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't ter- instantly obvious what the film would be about. All I heard is that they were doing a film about that and Terence was doing it. But then I read the script and it was just an incredible script. It was a beautiful script. It is so beautiful. Yeah. And I'm embarrassed to say, I just assumed, because he was a First World War poet, I assumed he was killed in the First World War. <laughs> yeah. And I, well, but, he, but he lived, I mean, a yeah, long, long time. Which is part of it, and part, and part of the, the regret that he has and did have was that uh, compared to people like, um, you know, the others like Rupert Brooke and people like that, that he made it through, and I think that guilt... He, he lived, I think, well into the 1960s, and I think the guilt of that really hit, really hit home with him. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was a remarkable man. And Terence Davies, you know, he's a this kind of legendary figure, mm-hmm. but he's absolutely always kind of, you know, gone his own way. Oh yes, and he's got his style. Very and much he, so. And some of his films are big hits. Some people, some films yeah. never. And he was. I feel like this one's going to be a big hit. It's a real kind of crowd pleaser in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's very much him. I mean, I realised quite quickly that I was basically playing Terence Davies and just being called Siegfried. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, he. There's lots of stuff with with Ivan Avello. He has all these massive affairs. He had all these with all these fabulous, fabulous, beautiful people, and um, you know, and and Terence had a hate for people like Ivan Novello, whoever uh, Jeremy, who played Ivan Novello. You know, he'd 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 go, we hate him, we don't like him, we don't like him. He's he's, he's a cad. He's horrible. Um, so um, it was very much his story, yeah. But also, I think what he's captured very well is the gayness of that time. Yeah, that kind of brittle. 
thing that that it, oh there, yeah there was quite a nasty gay sensibility yes then the disses are incredible the sort of tennis back and forth the sort of cattiness yeah is quite outstanding in that sort of upper echelon kind of high society way yeah yeah oh but also yeah. i think it's a good i think it comes from a kind of defensiveness oh yeah that people you know gay people don't need to have now yeah. so much oh yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and what's he like as a director is he as extraordinary as his films are or is he just another director oh god no no he's very um terence has basically acted the whole film out himself <laughs> i think before day one um uh he he which is a strange experience as an actor um but I, once you give yourself into it and really just essentially do as he says um then it, it's quite it's quite a unique experience but he um I mean, it, down down to the enunciation, into the into the sort of grammar, everything. It, he he thought it through. So as soon as you give yourself over, then it's good fun. But and it's weird that he then chose two Scottish actors. Very weird to play. I know. I I, I don't know how that happened. Um, and I never met Peter until halfway through the shoot, and we bumped into each other in a makeup truck and just double checked what accent we were doing. So we could remotely sign one like sign one another. Yeah, but it and it, it does. This doesn't spoil the film for anyone in any way. But it, th- that thing it just gets me every time when they do those shots where younger characters morph into older characters, yeah. like the older characters morph into the younger yeah. characters. I find that so just instantly moving. And moving uh, and morphing into Malcolm Tucker was <laughs> a bucket list for me. So <laughs> yeah, took. And it had its premiere at the Gay Film Festival, didn't it? Uh, it's it's yeah it's it's had multiple premieres. Okay. It was yeah BFI Flair. It was just on that's there. Right, that's and, right. Yeah, and, and at the London Film Festival in San Sebastian, it's done a bit. So have you got to see it with an audience yet? I have. I, I saw it. Uh, uh, where did I see it recently? I can't remember. But it it was in London, and it, it no, it was in Glasgow. Sorry. And so it was quite it was quite fun to watch it with people, and and it, particularly those scenes that you were talking about, where there's just back and forth slagging, basically. <laughs> um, was really enjoyable and, and particularly with Simon Russell Beale um, as Robbie Ross was quite funny yeah and your dancing skills may Thank I say you. Jack yeah are outstanding I mean it's why I got the part <laughs> it was my, my Charleston yeah it really was very good yeah. when your career goes south Strictly Strictly's there <laughs> yeah good yeah. god Star of Slow Horses and Benediction, <laughs> Jack Loudon and his partner. Yeah. <laughs> it's all to play for. Uh, listen, thank you so much for coming to see us. Good luck with the press. Thank you. Uh, you know, I would, if Gary's got four anecdotes, you can nick one. Oh, I'm going to nick yeah. them all. Nick, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do. Annoy him. <laughs> all right, enjoy it. Enjoy thank it. You, thank and, you. And uh, congratulations on everything, Jack. Thanks for coming in to see us. Cheers. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. It's time to meet my second guest of the day. She's back on tour, ladies and gentlemen. It was the 90s is the name of the tour. Tickets available at champy.co.uk slash alive. Her name is Shapara Kasandi. Hello. Hello, Graham. How are you? Beautiful pronunciation of my name. Was it all right? Shaparak, yes. I like the way you say it. Oh, uh, now that suggests I'm saying it wrong. No, no, it's perfect. I, I like the way you say it, but no one else does. I never mind how people pronounce it. Some people get so... Um, worried about pronouncing my my full name because they feel that um, they'll be offending me if they mispronounce it. But it's a bunch of vowels and consonants that you've never seen put together before. You're going to fumble, but that was beautiful. Well, thank you very much. I won't try it again. <laughs> no, you can call me Shappy now. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll risk it again at the end of the interview and, and then it'll be... Yes, because I feel like I've peaked now. Uh, so, in terms of uh, getting back on stage, this yeah. tour, is this... Have you, have you done smaller gigs or are you going straight back onto this tour? Well, I started this tour, um, I think, just sort of building it in December at the Soho Theatre. And then now I've been on tour. And I think now I'm at that part of the tour where, where, you know, when you start to forget about the show and just enjoy yourself and um, obviously the audience too I mean obviously this <laughs> the tour is about the enjoyment of the audience and not just for me but I am having so much fun with with it so now now I feel bad because did I see a bootleggy thing because I saw because I was because I knew you were coming on the show yeah. I was looking at clips of you um, on the tube of you yeah. and uh there was something at the Soho theatre is that from the new show the thing that you're talking about your your kids Oh, no, no, no. That's from uh, an old show, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's... Um, no, this is a new one that I hope will be recorded again at the Soho Theatre because it's 
fun. And I think this is probably the most relatable show that I've done. Um, all my shows are really personal, but the one about the this one about the nineties, because in lockdown. Um, I, my son, who is 14, said to me, did you go raving in the 90s? And I thought he, he thinks I'm just dead cool and just knew that I was a party animal and terribly um, su- socially successful, <laughs> and, uh, which I wasn't, by the way. And um, I, went, I went to answer him like in quite a lot of detail, and he went, oh, it's just that I'm doing an essay on social history. <laughs> so my youth is now social history. <laughs> And I thought, I want to do a show about it because the young people now, they've changed so much. They're not as um, hedonistic as we were. And my children talk about self-care and um, talk about self-soothing. And in the 90s, if I'd said to my friends, I want to do some meditation and and mindfulness, they'd they'd think I've joined a cult. (laughs) So I just wanted to talk about the difference between young people now and the way... I was when I was a youth. Do you think any of that's to do with that we were able to absolutely mess up yep. and wake up in a gutter with our legs above our head yep. uh, with no consequences, yeah. whereas now there are consequences because someone's taking a picture of that? I think that it, it's partly that. And also, I have to say that our generation um, had... There was you're very you're very kind to say our generation. We were different generations. It's just we we both were enjoying ourselves pre-social media. Graham, and I remember when I started comedy in the circuit, and I got to see you at the absolute because te- you just went stratospheric, and I got to see you once on the circuit. So I think if you've been on the same stage as another comic, you are the same generation. Okay, I'll, t- so, I'll take it. I'm yeah. quite happy to be your generation. <laughs> but it's um, and also squat living and housing benefit was easier back then. I think young people now have to be financially savvy in a way that we weren't perhaps for example um they um in the 90s when i did stand-up comedy drinking was such a big part of it we just drank until either some kind of career happened or you died right (laughs) and i met a young comic who'd stopped drinking because she was doing live at the apollo next month like the month after and when I did Live at the Apollo, I, I stopped drinking when the compere called my name. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying that's cool. I mean, she'll be a, a millionaire. But it, I just thought comedy was more punk back then. It wasn't um, a sort of sensible career path, which yeah. I think it is now for a lot of people. It was the most broken souls that did stand up when I started and they were my people. And amongst the the new crop, I do see the broken ones and they're the ones I get really excited about because it is it was the nearest thing we had to punk. Yeah, so I remember when you used to meet one of the career ones, mm. it was so weird. Like being yeah. trapped in a car coming back from a gig oh. and they'd be talking about, you know, they had a career plan and I'm like my career plan is what am I gigging next week and will I pay my rent and yeah absolutely I felt like um, I'd made it when I paid my rent from comedy isn't it amazing when I stopped life modelling I was like oh it's all comedy and everything else has been a bonus and is it something to do with that kids now are living at home for much longer because it is so much harder to move out it is so much harder to find cheap accommodation yeah and also they 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 stay at home longer, I think, because there's a smaller generation gap between their parents and, say, my parents. Like, in order to have the freedom that I wanted as a teenager, I needed to leave home. <laughs> like, my mum was never going to have me bring boyfriends round at, you know, 18 or whatever. Um, and I think young people now will, and I know I will, because I want to keep my children home for as long as possible. So I'll be like, do what you like, just stay here. Oh, I see. So this thing that's happening to children, you don't particularly think is bad. You're you you're encouraging it. I mean, I'm, I don't know, maybe it's my Middle Eastern blood. I just think we should all live under one roof and one roof until we die. Um, I think my, my children will be terrified uh, hearing me say that right now because I think that they're not like me. But I'm incredibly needy. But because my children do mindfulness, they're not. Yeah, yet. Yes. <laughs> They'll get there. They'll be financially needy any minute now. Oh, I'm making sure of that. <laughs> so uh, you are uh, back on the road. You're starting in Norwich on the 16th of April and then you go right through till July in Fairham. Uh, tickets are available at shoppy, shoppy.co.uk slash 
uh, live. And what was I it go like? On, I think I think I go on through September and October oh. as well. We're adding new dates all the time. There's never end to my my tours, to be <laughs> yeah, honest. Yeah. Just a rolling tour. <laughs> Let's just be blunt yeah. about it's, it. It's like it's the farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. It's, Absolutely. Yeah, it's just on forever. Um, but what was it like getting back to audiences? Did you do Zoom gigs and things in lockdown? I did do Zoom gigs and at first um, I was one of those people who was looking for a different career. I was thinking, um, I, tr- I tried to buy a cafe with my neighbour and the cafe people didn't sell it to me because they said, I, they were very polite. They said, we think that you just want to sit somewhere and drink coffee and talk to people. <laughs> and I said, yes, you're right. So they didn't sell me the cafe, thank goodness. And I, then the job I used to have before I was a stand-up was a cleaner. So then I thought maybe I could have a cleaning company. But then the, because the Zoom gigs for me um, didn't say that part of me that stand-up does But then I realised there's loads of people who can't get out to live gigs. And for them, for whatever reason, um, uh, if they can't leave their house and they're not mobile, Zoom gigs are brilliant. So then when that dawned on my pea brain, I really, really enjoyed them. And I think that going the, the most significant difference is I have lost all my anxiety and my nerves about stand up. Like, I'm, I, I just feel because it was taken away. I feel so grateful and lucky and there is nothing to be had but fun. Like, literally nothing. Look Isn't at the that world. fascinating? You're the first person to tell me that. But as you tell me that, I think, God, that makes so much yeah. sense. There's nothing to be had but fun while you're on, uh, while while, while you you get to do a job that connects you with people. Because if I didn't do stand up, like before I did stand up, I was one of those people that would start chatting to people at bus stops, you know, for varying degrees Thank of. God, you found stand up. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, I would start a conversation on a tube train. I would need to. Talk, I would be that person on a plane that needs to hear your life story, and stand up has shut me up. <laughs> In public places, so um, I, 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 it's just reminded me why I wanted to do it when I was a kid, and I don't care about you know the sort of industry opinions of me or, you know anything like that it's just about connecting with people i know that sounds i'm like oh god i sound like a real hippie but it is that's all that matters to you've me. been talking to your kids haven't you yeah, <laughs> yeah I've been loads of mindfulness with them yeah. mommy needs to <laughs> needs to find herself yeah mommy needs to talk to people that aren't you <laughs> but isn't it good though that kind of that uh, you know because i think it's easy to for you know for older people to look at young people talking like that and kind of just roll our eyes and just kind of go get on with it and actually what lockdown did was open our eyes and ears and minds to lots of that stuff. Absolutely. And I think it's incredible uh, what young people are teaching me. For example, I thought I'd be a responsible mum and talk to my son about consent, right? Very important. Very. And he said, yeah, but mummy, it's not just about consent, is it? Because somebody might be feeling um, under pressure. They might be sober, but they might be feeling um, awkward or or low self-esteem. So it's enthusiastic consent that's really important I was like oh wow I was only up to consent wow okay just backtrack there rewind my life I'm not sure I've ever been with someone who gave enthusiastic <laughs> consent. But it's, it's, they've got terms that we didn't have and, and concepts that we we you know, culture moves forward. It always does. So. And I think hats off to them. Good luck to them. Absolutely. And I'm so glad I'm not them. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to know. You see, in, in a live show, I would react to that very differently. But I'm so conscious that I'm on the radio. Yes, There's so much no. I have to say about this. Uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, that's a big, that's rich, that's a rich seam right there. Well, I do. I talk about it a lot. Like, you know, we thought we were really smart, me and my cousin, when we were young, going into bars and talking to rich businessmen. And a rich businessman was anyone over 35 in a shirt. <laughs> and we would get drinks off them by going, it's my birthday. And that's just, they, a young person now would not find that morally sound. And in fact, it doesn't work now for me because I say to people, it's my birthday. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Would you like a seat? So, yeah, very different. Uh, The tour is called It Was the 90s. Uh, You can get all the tickets and the dates. There are many dates. Many dates. Many dates. (laughs) They're all available at shappy.co.uk slash live. Shaparak, Sandy, now you've made me nervous. Graham Norton. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you so much for coming in to see us. My pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your sunny Saturday. Take care of yourself. So to come, we played the chicken and the egg, our brand new Easter competition. But before we find out what that's all about, I spoke to the brilliant and very busy Dame Arlene Phillips. Dame Arlene Phillips is here. Hey! Hey! <laughs> yeah. I, have I met you since you became a dame? I do think I have. No, 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 no. Because actually it was announced, but no, I didn't meet you and then I... Got it about four weeks ago. I was at the castle. You were a COVID dame. Yes. So who yeah. who who announced? Uh, Princess Royal, Princess Anne. Oh, yeah, I mean, so lovely. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Well done. Thank you. It's well deserved. Just um, extraordinary. So yeah. extraordinary. Um, yeah. And uh, and did you get the video and everything? Um, it's on order. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll get everything. I'll have that memory always. The keychain. Yeah, <laughs> the lot. Yeah, the badge, the brooch. I mean, it's just a, it's a beautiful, it's two different kind of medals and it's, it's really special. And I took my youngest daughter with me because I thought, who do I take? You know, have got one person, it's COVID, but she'll be able to tell the story, you know, yeah. for onward and onward. And also, you yeah. know, there are lots of prizes and things in the world, but that one is such a kind of, it's, part of such a long tradition uh yeah. so you, you can't take it lightly you've got to go yeah. no this means something this is yeah, great yeah it does mean something yeah it means something very special because it means against all odds you've done something right yeah and also in such a kind of precarious profession you know such a ridiculous profession <laughs> where the chances of success yeah. are minimal yes. uh, to yeah. end up being a dame is incredible yeah. now but still working the, still the damehood working. the damehood has not made you rest on your laurels you're no. still in the rehearsal rooms you've got two shows on the game uh, on the go at the same time yeah. uh, which one should we talk about first well let's start with the share show because I've, I'm in the midst of rehearsals for that and the second one I'm just about to start rehearsals for. OK, well, let's do the share show. Yeah. So Now, this is an interesting one because you are directing and then Oti Mabusi's choreographing. Yes, so right. what has that working relationship been like? Because normally, you know, you're that person. It's it's very interesting. And <laughs> I, I, I'm like... I see things and, you know, I respect Oti so much. I think, no, I'm not going to say anything but actually, when I, as a choreographer, am um, working, I listen to the director to make sure that the choreography works within the story and within the director's vision, who has the largest vision. Yeah. So I, at first, was very nervous about, you know, well, can you just make this happen or that happen in this moment? But it's been amazing. Oti's like just so ready and we're such a close team to integrate the direction and the choreography so that they live as one. And also, I suppose, because it is the share story, a lot of that choreography is kind of historically based. I mean, it's, yes. it's kind of, you know, yeah. it's 50s and 60s and stuff. Completely. And that's where really kind of OT triumphs because, you know, all the 50s stuff, you know, whether it's uh, the 50s or the 60s, the jives, the ponies, it's all a part of the inheritance of a ballroom and Latin world. Yeah. They're used those those dances, so it's been it's been amazing. And what was it like trying to find your three shares? Because you have a a young share, a medium share, and then a mature share. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, that was a massive, massive search because you need them all to play share, but you don't want identikit. They have to bring the stories. To life, so share our center. Share is share, and she brings back her two younger selves to make her whole, to to chat to, and also, you know, when you you know we talk about turn back time, one of her biggest hits, and in this sense, this show turns back time. She looks back on her life, and we all misremember our lives when we want to. And so it's really good because you get that moment when Cher looks at her life and, oh, no, it wasn't quite like that. Another Cher interrupts. And it all adds to the adventure, this massive adventure that is Cher's life and how she became an icon. You know, she stands there for women. She speaks out for women. And she was ahead of the 
kind of, I will not be crushed by a man. Well, there's so many parallels with Tina, aren't there? So many parallels. Where where they, where they broke up and then Cher realises Sonny owns everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, Cher didn't realise, I think, growing up just how smart she was. You know, she didn't feel, you know, friends laughed at her because she couldn't do math and, and uh, whatever it may be. And actually, the gradual dawning of intelligence doesn't mean you have to have an education that takes you into a grand old age. Intelligence is there within you and she's discovered how smart she is. And so she started to turn her life around. And you've got all the great songs, but then you've also got the Bob Mackie costumes. So are you using, I mean, are you remaking the Bob Mackie costumes? Have you got some from Broadway? Where are you getting them from? Uh, No, they're all being made by the phenomenal Gabriella Slade, who did Six and Spice Girls Return Concert. And she has created, based on Cher designs, but kind of a new way, a glorious way with stunning fabrics. And the Cher's and their costumes, they're a big highlight in the show. Those, the yeah. Cher's are dressed to die for. Well, I remember I saw, I think, I mean, I, I, the one I saw on Broadway, is that the one you're doing? That's the one we're doing, but we've made, we have made changes to it. Okay, because on, on Broadway, there was that kind of fashion, the Bob Mackie fashion show, you know, <sighs> and, it, and it gets a, you know, a huge round of applause just looking at clothes because they're so stunning. Absolutely, but I have to say that was a three and a half million dollar costume budget <laughs> and we are here on tour for the U. UK, it doesn't quite match it, but what matches it is the glory of the costumes. It's lighting. It's lighting. It's all about the lighting. It's all about lighting. And it's all about the talent on stage. It's bursting with talent with our three shares. You know, I think in lives, we often don't know to savour the moment. But when you were in New York working with Whitney Houston, you must have known you were at the centre of the entertainment universe. Oh, It was just incredible. Firstly, I made uh, choreograph Whitney's um, How Will I Know, her first music video was made in the UK, and then she asked me to go over to New York and do the second one. And it was... Suddenly, she had become a megastar, a star beyond all belief. And where she didn't have confidence on the first music video, on this one, she was ready to do anything and dance. And I look back and I was so blessed to realise that hop to New York, what it was going to mean in life. Yeah. Incredible. And uh, but now, let's get back to today, uh, the yes. West End. We're back in the West yes. End with Greece. So is, is this a... I mean, you can't reinvent Greece, but is this a new production or is it a, a restaging of a, of a production? This is a very new production. OK. This goes back to the original Greece, which we know is the story of high school kids, blue-collar workers, never expected to succeed in their life. Um written by the, about the Chicago High School. And so at first it was a, a play, then a musical with different songs and eventually became the big hit because of the film and Robert Stigwood putting in four songs by the Bee Gees. So we, in this production, are a hybrid. We go right back to that really earthy, very real musical where the kids live to dance rockabilly, um, you know, inventing their own style. And it's a, quite a harsh production in that sense of the, the story um, of these kids. is tough. They all had to, you know, they had to fight. But there's also all the wonderful Greece songs and the songs we we know. So it's a hybrid of, of the original Greece and the new Greece. And you're going into the Dominion, which is like uh-huh. the biggie. It's- yes, which is where Robert first um, did 
the big musical of Greece with the film songs in. So it's like a massive return to presenting the show in the Dominion. Uh, we had Debbie Gibson starring as Sandy that time and Shane Ritchie and Greg McLaughlin and it was like massive. And here we are returning again with Peter Andre and then we've got Jason Donovan coming in and it just feels like a massive revival of Greece at the Dominion. And what's it like for you kind of hopping between these rehearsal studios because obviously you're directing the share show and then you come back to this and you are putting your choreographer's hat back on yeah um i try not to get mixed up and (laughs) interfere too much in the choreography on share or tell nikolai foster our brilliant director what i want to do on greece it's the weirdest thing you're you are between two very different um, creative forces and you have to remember which one you're doing and for you it must be so strange because there's some there are some shows that have been in your life like this one like Greece for so long that you know them so well I'm I'm very lucky in that the shows that I have worked on like Starlight Express Andrew Lloyd Webber continually goes on reinventing so we have had a massive reinvention of that show and I love being able to work on Greece and actually come up with everything that's different from the, the what I originally did and find enough creative force to make that difference. And are the dancers better now? Can you ask these West End dancers to do more tricks and flicks and jumps than you used to, say, you know, 20 years ago? I think that definitely dancers have more genres that they are accessible to them. Without question, they, they have to know way more than what we used to call a triple threat. But they are inventive, but there's very much about Greece on this show where we do this pure rockabilly jive that is a big learning curve for everyone who takes part. Um, but they love it and they throw themselves into it. Yeah, they it. love it, Arlene. Yeah, they yeah, love, they love it. it. I promise you, Graham, they love yeah, it. Well, they yeah. tell me they do. Yeah. yeah, they've never seen this smiling face. <laughs> <laughs> they've never seen the smiling face I'm looking at. No, I think not. Stern, stern, <laughs> yeah, Dave Arlene. Yeah. Uh, let's remind everybody, Greece tickets available at greasethemusical.co.uk. It's at the Dominion Theatre uh, from Tuesday the 3rd of May. Official opening night is the 17th of May. And then share the share show tickets available at shareonstage.com and that's a year-long tour all over the country uh, shareonstage.com you can find all the dates and the details it's been so lovely to chat to you and congratulations again on your damehood thank Arlene. you it's gorgeous to talk to you all right. in, in, now go and re- go lie down you need a, you need a rest before the week <laughs> before the week starts thanks a lot okay we can wait no longer it is time to play our competition <laughs> It's the chicken and egg competition. Thanks, waiters. We are giving someone the chance to win the ultimate Easter food and drink package, including lamb, a selection of wines, hot cross buns, and waiters' finest Easter eggs. And it's based on the chicken and the egg. Basically, two possible answers. You just have to find out which one came first. For each question you get right, you'll win a different Easter prize from waiters. If you get all three correct, you get a bonus package on top of that. Uh, playing today, we have Julie, I believe. Hello, Julie. Hello, Graham. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. Uh, where are you today, Julie? I'm in Corsham in Wiltshire. Beautiful. That sounds very pretty. It is. <laughs> and is Mother's Day playing any part in your day today, Julie? Yeah, I'm having a lovely relax. My son and my daughter are cooking lunch for me, so <gasps> I'm, I'm really chilled and relaxed this morning. Oh, gorgeous. Are you propped up in pillows in a bed jacket? <laughs> Uh, unfortunately not. I'm sat in the sitting room with your radio on. <laughs> Very good. All right. So you understand how this works. Basically, uh, I'm going to ask you two things and you just t- tell us which one happened first. So it's a okay. film or an album or whatever. You just have to guess which one came out first. And you might yep. be guessing. You might actually know. That, that, that'd be good. Okay. The first prize is the Waitrose British Leg of Lamb. It's tasty and succulent, whole British Leg of Lamb, perfect for an Easter roast. The question is this. Uh, we're talking about Harry Potter books, Julie. Okay. Which which Harry Potter book came out first? 
Was it the Half-Blood Prince or was it Chamber of Secrets? I, um, I'm going to go for the first one. The Half-Blood Prince? Yeah. You sure? No, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to go for the second one. The Chamber of Secrets? Yeah, go for that one. You sure? Uh, yeah, go on. Okay, let's find out if you're right. You are right. Well oh, done. Oh, that was exciting. That was so tense, Julie. I was thinking, oh, no, she won't get the lamb. And then you did get the lamb. So now you've got the lamb. That's good. Yay. All right. Here's the one everyone wants to win. This is the collection of Waitrose Easter entertaining wines. You Ooh. get a lovely Prosecco, a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, and a rich and indulgent Douro Red. Okay. To win this, you'll need to tell me which Oasis album came first. Was it What's the Story, Morning Glory, or Heathen Chemistry? I'm going to guess at what's the, the first one. What's the story, Morning Glory? Okay, let's see if you're right. You are right, yes. Oh, wow. You're doing so well, Julie. You're doing really well. Oh, don't oh. mess it up now, Julie. You've got, the, you've got the lamb. You've got the booze. Now, oh, now you want the collection of Waitrose Easter eggs. There's three of them. They're those gorgeous ones you see in, East, in, in Waitrose. There's one, a blonde chocolate one. There's a salted caramel one. There's a golden apple egg, all amazing, made using Waitrose Fairtrade sourced cocoa. Here we go. So... The question is, which of these James Bond films came out first? Was it Skyfall or Live and Let Die? I'm going for Live and Let Die. Yeah, I'd have got this right too. <laughs> are you right? Yes, you are. Well done. And the exciting thing, Julie, is because you got all three right, you are so clever, you also get the Ultimate Way Show's Easter Entertaining Food Package. You get a chocolate Easter egg drip cake. You get nine miniature decorated chocolate delectable duo eggs. You get sticky toffee hot cross buns and triple chocolate hot cross buns. All oh. for you. Wow, thank you so much. Isn't that exciting? So, Julie, uh, congratulations. Is there anyone you'd like to say hello to while you're here? I would love to say hello to my children, Victoria and Richard, and my lovely husband, Martin. Ah, and now it doesn't matter what they're making for lunch, because... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I'm so pleased for you, Julie. Fantastic. Bit of a, bit of a shaky start, but we got there in the end. Uh, well, Thank you, Graham. Well done. Congratulations, Julie. Thanks for playing the chicken and the egg. Take care of yourself. Thank you so much. Bye. Another week done and dusted. Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can hear a new episode of the best of bits from the show from early Monday morning. Speak to you soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio.